right. Good to see y'all tonight. <laughs> Amen. We're going to be in Joshua, the second chapter. Uh, this chapter deals primarily with the study of uh, Rahab, the prostitute. And Rahab's name is in the um, genealogy of Christ. So she is not an insignificant figure in biblical history, although she uh, was a harlot, as it was called. So this chapter is about Rahab and the two spies that uh, Joshua sent to spy out Jericho. Just as in the book of Numbers, God sent out the 12 spies to uh, survey the promised land. In this case, um, these two spies were on a what we call a reconnaissance mission, recon. They were on a secret mission to spy out the land. So let's pray. Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for this study. Bless our time in your word tonight. Give us wisdom, Lord, from your spirit to see the truth, to see the gospel uh, in this passage, uh, to see how you are still at work, even uh, with a, a harlot, a prostitute being part of redemptive history. Lord, just bless our time tonight in your word and enrich us and refresh us. In Christ's name, amen. So, again, this chapter deals with uh, Joshua, the spies, and Rahab. So Joshua uh, had received his charge, you know, in chapter 1. Be strong and of good courage. The Lord is with you, you know, to go conquest the land. So now this is kind of where it starts in this chapter. So just reading the first few verses here, it says, And Joshua, the son of Nun, sent two men secretly from Shittim as spies, saying, Go view the land, especially Jericho. And they went and came into the house of a prostitute whose name was Rahab and lodged there. And it was told to the king of Jericho, Behold, men of Israel had come here tonight to search out the land. The king of Jericho sent to Rahab, saying, Bring out the men who have come to you who entered your house, for they have come to search out all the land. But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them, and she said, True, the men came to me, but I did not know where they came from. And when the gate was about to be closed at dark, the men went out. And I do not know where the men went. Pursue them quickly, for you will overtake them. <laughs> but she had brought them up to the roof and hid them in the stalks of flax that she had laid in order on the roof. So the men pursued after them on, uh, on the way to the Jordan as far as the forts, and the gate was shut as soon as the pursuers had gone out. Excuse me. So again, you see here the story of Joshua sending two spies out uh, to spy the land to look for Jericho. The reason why they did this is because this is a very secretive mission. Uh, Jericho was the first big fortified city that Israel was going to have to take in order to conquest uh, the land. And, you know, we'll deal with that uh, later on um, in chapters 3 and 4 
Yeah, I remember seeing the song Joshua fought the battle of Jericho and the walls came tumbling down. You know, Jericho was the first big city that they were going to, to do it. Now, if you back in chapter one, in verse 11, uh, the date was set. It was supposed to be three days of preparation, and then they would enter the land. So during the three days of preparation, the spies uh, had gone out and to come back in. Now, of course, Joshua would know about spies and spying because, remember, it was him and Caleb and the other ten spies that went to uh, spy out the promised land back in Numbers 13 as it is chronicled. So Joshua knows what it means to be a spy because he himself was one. Excuse me, again, when they went out to spy the uh, promised land, he learned. Um, and I think the reason why he sent two this time is because uh, too many spies would have brought back inaccurate reports. Just as in the book of Numbers, you had 10 spies that said, we couldn't conquer the land. We're like grasshoppers. There are giants over there. And two spies, Joshua and Caleb, came back with a good report saying that we can conquest the land. So we think because of this, Joshua sent these two spies out uh, to do that job, and they did it well. So he was being very smart in doing this. It was a very strategic uh, mission. So they were going to Jericho. Jericho was a small city, about six acres, so it wasn't a huge city at all. But just remember, cities during that time had fortified walls. You know, pretty much all cities, no matter how big or small they were, they were surrounded by walls to, to keep them protected from, from uh, enemies. And they had gates that you went in and went out into uh, the city. Okay? So this was where they were sent to. And when they went to this city, of course, they ran into uh, a prostitute. And we know that prostitute was Rahab. So these spies went to her place. Verse 2 of the second part of verse 1 here. They came to the house of the harlot named Rahab. Now, they had no idea they were going to a harlot's house. So this was totally the providence of God that they ended up at her place. They weren't sent to the land to go find Rahab. They just happened to find Rahab. So these two spies, they went to the house of a prostitute. Okay? She was a harlot. And we know this for sure. The church father, uh, the second century uh, historian, uh, his name is Origen, O-R-I-G-E-N, he said this, he said, as the first Joshua sent his spies before him and they were received into the harlot's house. So the second Joshua, he's speaking of Christ, sent his forerunners whom the publicans and harlots gladly received. So Origen was saying this is basically a picture uh, of the gospel. Okay. So. It's a great thing when sinners receive Jesus. So these two spies could be a, a picture and type of Christ. Okay. Um, and the harlot of Rahab received these two spies who came from among God's people. And she didn't hide the fact that she was a harlot. She was a harlot. Okay. They lodged there. I'm sure it was a very awkward place, but it was a perfect place for them uh, to hide out 
very perfect place for them to hide out. So God blessed them to hide out there in this place. Okay? So it says here in verse 2, so the, the, the king of Jericho had, had, had heard, probably heard about the reconnaissance mission of the spies and everything. He says, men had come here tonight from the children of Israel to search out the country. And then he sent uh, to Rahab. So he probably sent some guys ahead of him, you know, an envoy of people to go uh, to talk to her. Okay. So the woman took the two men and she hid them. Because it says here, the king of Jericho said, bring out the men who have come to you, who have entered your house, for they came to search out all the country. And the woman took the two men and hid them. Now, in this day, in this culture, it was a strong uh, tradition to uh, take someone in as a guest into your house. And also, you had a strong duty to protect them. So if you took a guest into your house, not only were you to take them in, but you also to provide protection for them. This was a, 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 a big tradition in, in this day. Okay, so Rahab, she put her own life on the line for these men. And remember, Rahab was a pagan at this time. She wasn't a believer in the God of, of Israel. So she put her life on the line because had, had she been caught with those men when she said that she didn't have them, and she would have been put to death. Yeah, so she put her life on the line for these spies so she said yes the men came to me she didn't say they didn't come at all she said they did come to me okay but I did not know where they came from so she was not being all the way truthful but hey she's a harlot and it happened as the gate was being shut when it was dark that the men went out where the men went, I do not know. Pursue them quickly, for you may overtake them. Now, the Bible basically reports Rahab's lie, but it doesn't praise her for it, and it doesn't excuse her for it. The scripture just says what she told them. So the, the Bible didn't offer commentary on this, okay? It, it, it just said that she lied. And they didn't say that she lied. It just reported what she said, Okay? Remember, she was a harlot. She was not a believer. Okay? So the men went out. So um, <laughs> she said that the men went out, but that lie was not justified. So they went out the gate, and they closed the gates. But just remember, she was a pagan sinner when she said all this. And she was in the midst of a city that worshipped false gods. So, it's no wonder that she lied. Because she's a pagan. That's what pagans do, right? It should not be the mark of a Christian to tell lies like this. But for a pagan like Rahab, psh, it's no surprise that she lied, right? We shouldn't be surprised about it at all. That she told this lie. And now, in this second part, remarkably, something happens. Rahab gives a confession of faith. 
It says here in verses uh, 8 through 14. Before the men lay down, she came up to them on the roof and said to them, I know that the Lord has given you the land. And think about this. How would she know all this? I know that the Lord has given you the land that the terror of you has fallen on us. And that all the inhabitants of the land are faint hearted because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were on the other side of the Jordan, Sihon and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. And as soon as we heard these things, our hearts melted. Neither did there remain any more courage in anyone because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and on the earth beneath. Now, for, therefore, I beg you, swear to me by the Lord, since I have shown you kindness, that you also show kindness to my father's house. Give me a true token and spare my father, my mother, my brothers, my sisters, and all that they have, and deliver our lives from death. So the men answered, Our lives for, uh, for yours, if none of you tell this business of ours. And it shall be when the Lord has given us the land that we will deal kindly and truly with you. Now, Rahab, being a prostitute, being a pagan, she recognized these men as being among God's own people. It was something about them, her encounter with them when they were staying with her, that she burst out with this confession of faith. Because look at what it says here. I know that the Lord has given you the land. This showed that God had a plan in bringing Rahab and the spies together. This was providential. God had a plan in bringing Rahab and these spies together. God supernaturally brings us to people who are believers and who are open to the gospel. He did the same with Rahab. God is always saving. God is always bringing people who don't know the gospel together with those who know the gospel. That's why we should never shy away from those type of opportunities when we're in the presence of unbelievers. To share the gospel and also not be afraid to be a Christian around them and live like a Christian around them. Because you never know what kind of effect your life or your words are going to have on a person's life. And we see this with Rahab. She says he is the God in heaven above and on earth belief this is a declaration of her faith in God this is how pagans came to faith in God by confessing that he is God uh, Paul said this in uh, I think Romans 10 if you confess with your mouth and believe with your heart that the Lord raised Jesus Christ from the dead you shall be saved in the Old Testament if you confess the God of Israel you were in essence saved Okay, so that's what this was evidence of her faith. She said, He is the God of heaven above and earth beneath. So she's acknowledging the sovereignty of God. Okay, it was not a strong faith and it wasn't a perfect faith, but her faith was commendable. If you look at Hebrews 11 and 31, 
Look what Hebrews 11 and 31 says. She's in the uh, hall of faith. The hall of faith. What does the writer in Hebrews say? Hebrews 11 and 31. By faith. Yep. I'm going to read my uh, NKJV version. Thank you. Uh, by faith, the hall of Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe when she ever received the spies with peace. So by faith. She did not perish. By faith in who? God. Remember, faith is not just faith for faith's sake. Faith as an object. We're in Joshua, the second chapter. Uh, faith in the God of Israel. Always remember this. I say it all the time. Faith has an object. The Christian faith have, has an object, and that is Jesus Christ. He's the object of our faith. We don't just have faith. She had faith in God. So by faith in God, you can assert that the heart of Rahab did not perish. James 2 and 25 said this, uh, something similar. I think James is right out the Hebrews. James 2 and 25, James says this. Likewise, was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out another way? So the New Testament attests to the fact that Rahab confessed faith in God. Rahab confessed faith in God. Now, you know, people could be surprised that Rahab was a harlot and that she was a liar also. But she was not saved by work. She was saved by her faith, by the confession of her faith. She knew who God was. He was the God of what? Earth above, or heaven above, and earth beneath. And she knew who she was. She knew she was a prostitute. But she trusted God with her very life because she asked the spies to take care of her family also. Because she asked him next that you also would show kindness to my father's house. So she, des she desired to see her family saved. And we're going to see that happen later on. She asked them to swear to me by the Lord. So this thing, this harlot knew all that God did. She said that he what parted the Red Sea, defeated the kings of the Amorites, Sihon and Og. She knew about all this. So this shows you the fame of Israel has spread throughout throughout that world. And these people were, you know, pagans, but they still knew the exploits of God. That's something. So now we get to the scarlet cord. This is the means of uh, her salvation. And there's significance behind this cord. Begin at verse 15. Then she let them down by the rope through the window because remember she told those people that came that they gone outside the city and they closed the gate. So now she let them out of the window. And I think that um, from what I read about 
Rahab and a lot of people in these cities, most of them lived in the walls of the city. Okay, and they had windows looking out out of the city or looking into the city. It's according to what side of the walls they were on. But they, some people live within the walls of those. You know, there's a big wall built around those cities, so some people lived in, within those walls. So it's believed that that's how she lived within those walls. Yeah, it says right here, Ronald. Then she let them down by a rope through the window, for her house was on the city wall. There you go. So her house is on the wall of the city. And she dwelt on the wall. And she said to them, go to the nation, go to the mountain rather, lest the pursuers meet you. Hide there three days until the pursuers have returned. So this is God speaking through Rahab, giving them instructions. Okay, so... Afterwards, you will go your way. So the men said to her, we will be blameless of this oath of yours when you may uh, swear, unless when we come into the land, you bind this line of scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down. And unless you bring your father, your mother, your brothers, and all your father's household to your own home. So it shall be that whoever goes outside the doors of your house into the street his blood shall be on his own head, and we will be guiltless. And whoever is with you in the house, his blood shall be on our head if a hand is laid on him. And if you tell this business of ours, then we will be free from your oath, which you made us swear. Then she said, according to your words, so be it. And he sent them away, and they departed. I'm sorry, she sent them away, and they departed. And she bound the scarlet cord in the window. So this card, this cord rather, uh, was a signal to the army of Israel that the people in the home were to be spared. So that's what it was. Okay, her hanging that cord out of her window was a signal to Israel. When they came over, we're going to see this in uh, the next chapter. When they came to Jericho to, to um, you know, tear down those walls, they saw that cord hanging out of her window. And they knew, okay, we don't need to, we need to spare that household. Okay, so that's what that was for. So she would have perished unless she put her trust in that court and casting it down uh, from her window. So without that scarlet cord, she would not be saved. Now, a lot of theologians, as early as the first century, a lot of the early church fathers saw that scarlet cord as a symbol of the blood of Jesus that if you're under the blood then you're saved or just like the blood of Jesus uh, during the Passover when the blood was sprinkled on the doorpost of the houses the, the death angel uh, passed over providing salvation for Israel so as early as the first century the church commentators were saying that without that scholar court she, she would not have been saved and this points to the blood of Jesus without uh, if there's no shedding of blood there's no remission of sins Without Christ going to the cross, shedding his blood on the cross, then guess what? We would have no means of being saved. So that's what this scarlet cord points to. This is Jesus in the Old Testament. So she bound the scarlet cord in the window. 
She put her faith into the safety of the Corps and the identification of the Corps. She did not hesitate to do that. And she also trusted in the ones who made the promise to her because she said, according to your words, so be it. So she believed in the promise of these godly men. Just as we believe in the promises of Christ to save us, guess what? She believed in the promises of the, of the spies to, to save her and to spare her life. And that's what we do, right? We believe in the promises of God. Whatever God has promised to us, we believe in those promises. Just like she believed in what the uh, spies told her. They told her to make sure your family comes in and make sure they stay in because if any of them leave out and something happens to him, their blood is on their hand. They can't do anything about it. So she believed in that promise. And she bound that cord in that window. And what we're going to see is that Joshua is going to be a savior for Rahab. Just like Jesus is a savior of those who trust in him. Just as, uh, you know, Joshua, remember, is a type of Christ. He was a savior for Rahab. Jesus is a savior for those of us who trust in him. Okay? Joshua was a savior. And we're going to deal with this when we get to this chapter about Jericho. But just as a preview, Joshua saved Rahab because Rahab had trusted in, in him. But those other citizens of Jericho, they were going to be judged and they were going to die. In the same way, Jesus is a savior for those who trust in him. But he is a judge for those who reject him. And he will come back as judge for those who rejected him. So she says here at the end, according to your word, so be it. Your word is your bond. Your word is your bond. This is something. And do you know Rahab's destiny was to marry one of the one of the princes of Judah? That was her destiny. And she was she was going to be found in the lineage of King David. And in Jesus Himself. This same Rahab. She was in the lineage of King David. And also in the lineage of Christ Himself. When you look in the first chapter of Matthew, you will see Rahab in the lineage of Jesus Christ in the genealogy. So even the line of Jesus includes a prostitute. This means that no one is beyond redemption. No one is beyond God's redemption. No one is unworthy of being saved. God saves all those who comes to him in faith, no matter what station of life they're in. Rahab was no less worthy of being saved than anyone else. And prostitutes back then were like really looked down upon. But guess what? God still found her worthy to be saved. And then we get the last few verses here. Verse 22 through 24. They departed and went to the mountain, just like, you know, she suggested, and stayed there three days until the pursuers returned. The pursuers sought them all along the way, but did not find them. So the two men returned, descended from the mountain, and crossed over, and they came to Joshua, the son of Nun, 
and told him all that had befallen them. And they said to Joshua, Truly the Lord has delivered all the land into our hands. For indeed, all the inhabitants of the country are faint-hearted because of us. Because they know that the spies were there, but they couldn't find them. So, this thing about this, they, they, they told Joshua the encounter with the prostitute, the encounters with the men of Jericho who came looking for them. Jericho was one of the strongest and most fortified cities in Canaan. So they came back and told him all that had, had befallen them. But they said, despite the, of how fortified uh, this city was, they said what? Truly the Lord has delivered all the land into our hands. For indeed all the inhabitants of the country are faint-hearted because of us. So what this mission did, it helped encourage the faith of those spies in the whole nation. They came out with that good report. And it was encouraging to them for those spies to come back and say, hey, guys, basically, we can conquer this land. So their mission was accomplished because their mission was to go and spy out the land, especially Jericho. That was their initial mission if you look, at, look back at the first verse of this chapter but guess what something else happened along the way Rahab was saved so this shows us even as we do God's work in this world there are going to be some providential moments where our plans are not going to work out as, as exactly as we would think, but they will still accomplish God's goals. God's goal was to save Rahab, Rahab also because Rahab was in the genealogy of Christ. Rahab was in the genealogy of King David. So it was God's sovereign purpose to save Rahab. The spies didn't know that when they went to the land. They didn't know they was going to run to uh, Rahab's place. But who knew? God. And God had a purpose. He had a plan. He had a purpose besides them going to spout the land. He also had a purpose of bringing salvation to Rahab's household. To bring salvation to a prostitute. That was part of God's plan. Many times we set out to do things. We don't always know God's plan. We may have one thing in mind. But guess what? God always has another. Or he may have something in addition to something else. In addition to them spying out the land. God also had a plan to save Rahab. That amazes me how the Lord works like that. He, he works out his purposes according to the plans that he has set. And God is so wise in doing that. He is so good in doing that, isn't he? Rahab wasn't in the picture when they first went over. But then she became part of the picture. And she became part of God's redemptive plan. Another thing we must realize, we may, we may know people that may seem impossible to save, but God's hand is not too short or too weak to save people like Rahab. And God can work in amazing ways to bring salvation. That's another thing we learn from this chapter. We cannot, in our hearts, sometimes we do, sometimes I may do it and I 
when I catch myself doing it, I have to confess that sin to the Lord. I can look at some people and think, man, God can't save them. But who am I to say, who am I to be more unmerciful than God? More unloving than God? We can't look at one single person and say, God can't save them. And sometimes we're all guilty of that. We look at people and say, man, they just a lost cause. And you know what? It could be. But then it may not be. Because ultimately we don't know what God is doing in their hearts. We see people who are in such rebellion against God and we say, man, they're a lost cause. No hope for them. In some sense, it may be. But that's not always the case. And we can't think that way as Christians especially. Because remember it is God who makes us alive. Like we learn in Ephesians 2. It is God who makes us alive. We were ourselves spiritually dead. We were ourselves a lost cause. We may not have been on drugs. And all this other wild stuff. But we were still enemies of God. You could be the nicest person. And still be an enemy of God. Because you're not saved. No matter what you're doing in life. It don't matter that you didn't go to jail or you never got in trouble by your parents or you never did drugs, you never did whatever, all this bad stuff that people do. But the fact that you're not in Christ, you're still bound for hell. Nice people can go to hell because they die without Christ. So we can't, that's why we can't look at people and say they're a lost cause or man, there's no hope for them. Because there was no hope for us at one time. We have to have a, as Paul said in Romans 12, think, not think more highly of ourselves than we ought to think, but to think soberly. You know, looking at Rahab. She was a prostitute. Prostitutes around here. They can be saved. Homeless people that go around begging. They can be saved. person that lives up there in Hillary High Row up there in the mountain if they're not saved they could be saved their money's not going to save them their wealth is not going to save them people who live in West Anderson that think salvation is through their skin color black pride and all that stuff BLM guess what they're worthy of being saved too they can be saved God can save them so we can't look at people with prejudice and, and think in our hearts, ah, nah, not them. Because it's a sin to do that. And we see with Rahab, they were, God had a plan of salvation for her. And we're going to see that played out uh, in the uh, subsequent uh, chapters. When we get to chapter 3 and, and, and when uh, Jericho is... Uh, uh, defeated. I think that's going to be in chapter 5 or 6. Yep, chapter 6. We'll see that when that story takes place. Amen. Amen. Let me pray right quick as we close out. Lord, thank you for this lesson. Thank you for showing us that <laughs> you're mighty to save. You save Rahab. And Lord, forgive us for times in our heart where we've probably thought, man, that person can't be saved. We look at people from an outward appearance and think that they can't be saved. But Lord, 
you can save anyone. You saved us. We were dead in our trespassing sins, and, and you made us to be alive. We didn't make ourselves alive, Lord. You made us alive. You can make any dead person, any spiritually dead person alive, no matter what their station is in life. So, Lord, help us to have a, a uh, proper assessment of ourselves and those who we come in contact with. And, Lord, just bless your word. May it bear fruit in our lives to your glory until we meet on the Lord's day. In Christ's name, amen.